Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today, as always. A fine day to take your dog for a walk. We still have some snow on the ground, which is not usual for Seattle. My dachshund hates the rain. <laughs> and I know a lot of people whose dogs like cold, yeah. rain. They are like, I no, don't need to go no outside. Yeah. yeah. Snow, though, and, I, and I've had this conversation with some other people as well. She doesn't mind the snow. It's the same thing for Abby the Beagle. She loves playing in the snow, yeah. but does not want to be out there when there's Isn't that rain something? coming down. Yeah, Even if it's snowing, like it's still cold and kind of wet, but... Yeah, that's most people, I think, too. Yeah, right? Yeah. Same with people. I love the snow. I love to go play in the snow and the snowflakes, but if it was raining, you're not necessarily like, wee, let's go, you know, true. splash around. I'd rather drive in rain than snow, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> Well, um, great show today. Dr. Donna Kelleher has been a guest on the show for uh, uh, several times over the years. She's a brilliant holistic veterinarian. And uh, talking today about um, food, which has been a, a, a common topic over the years and a very, very important one as it pertains to health of your pet and also to, you know, in my work with dog training and behavior, uh, certainly taking a holistic approach to that as well and looking at all the factors that could possibly impact dog's behavior, uh, medical conditions, um, food for sure, quality of nutrition, um, you know, you are what you eat, how you feel um, affects how you behave. For sure. Food can impact mood. I know it certainly does with humans, and there's a lot of uh, research that indicates this for children, how important food is to behavior. And, um, you know, not to mention health. It's the most important thing to our health. One of the most important things, I would say, for sure. Um, I know stress is another doozy, but, uh, you know, the, the sort of mentality of, oh, it's just a dog, uh, I don't think I would think it's safe to assume that probably doesn't apply to most of our listeners anyway. So, um, you know, really look at what you're feeding your dog. And it's a tricky industry. There's a lot of shows in our archives uh, with Susan Thixton, Dr. Michael Fox, Dr. Donna Kelleher, uh, giving information to people about how to make healthy choices for your pet as far as what you feed, because you can't rely on what they say on the front of the bag or can of food, unfortunately. There's uh, regulations um, that are minimal regulations to what the company, how the companies are limited to how they can advertise their food. For example, high-quality protein is not a statement that's regulated. So it could be roadkill, for example, and they could say it's high-quality protein. So that's an extreme example. Um, unfortunately, I'm not making it up, but... Um, so, you know, pay attention to food and, um, and what you feed and, and the, probably the, one of the easiest ways or first ways that you can control for that is where you buy your food. So shop at a local independent pet store, um, that is going to kind of do some of that work for you. 
And uh, that's a great way to start rather than going to, you know, certainly a grocery store or one of those larger, um, you know, huge chain pet stores, national chain pet stores that really don't control for quality like that. Um, So Seattle is loaded with a lot of great stores like that. And hopefully where you are listening from is as well. And now we, we of course, have online options, too. So um, Dr. Donna Kelleher is available at wholepetvet.com. And uh, she's got a lot of really great resources on her website. So enjoy this interview. We have Dr. Donna Kelleher on the line. Dr. Kelleher, welcome back to The Dog Show. Hi. Thanks for having me. So I first just want to say that, um, you know, I'm intentional about starting off this year and how excited I am to have you back. You're one of my favorite guests, and I'm just thrilled to have you here. So thanks for your time today. Oh, my goodness. It's my pleasure. (laughs) Okay. So we've now, if you've, Dr. Kelleher has been on the show a few times in the past, and you can find all of our shows archived on our website, which is dogradioshow.com. You can also go to iTunes and download all of our podcasts for free. There's over 300. And you can also, um, our more recent shows are posted on our Facebook page as well. So if you're on Facebook, you can just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And I post all of our shows on there as well. So you can listen there through SoundCloud. So, Dr. Keller, today I wanted to talk about food and, you know, I I have some other questions that we'll get to, I'm sure, today. But really focusing on and what sort of prompted this show for me was thinking about, you know, kind of in the context of like New Year's resolutions and making changes and all that kind of stuff. Thinking about dogs and how important it is to feed our dogs and cats the nutrition that their bodies really want to thrive and how that is not processed food, meaning kibble diets. And um, and that the transition, you know, that you, you know, a lot of people know that you're supposed to switch slowly. And a lot of people tell me, well, I thought I wasn't supposed to ever switch my dog's food at all. And it's like, no, um, but that. It can, um, especially for animals that are compromised, that it can take some finessing to switch their food at all or to switch them off of processed food. So I just wanted to get into some conversation with you about that and your experience working with animals very closely, especially those who, I mean, I hate to say who need it most, but I think you kind of know what I mean, you know, who are really suffering and showing symptoms. Yeah, the ones especially with chronic diseases, mm-hmm. um, immune-mediated diseases, <clears throat> inflammation that affects the skin, the joints, the internal organs, um, autoimmune conditions. These are the dogs and, and cats, too, don't forget them, yep. um, that really just, you know, a lot of times just blossom with these diets. And it makes sense. You're, you know, finally sort of taking care of their microflora in a way that has never done, been done before. And... and um, a lot of things have to happen and shift, though, for that for them to thrive the way we're talking about. <clears throat> and so um, one of the reasons that the veterinarians say don't change the diet is because, you know, there are those animals out there that, you know, you shift them from, it's not even, I mean, it's not even, it's just like barely a couple of treats off their kibble. Mm. You can't even think about shifting them to a different kibble or, you know, God forbid, to raw, or they'll start to you know, have really bad diarrhea, and that is because those animals are already sick. They, in other words, 
we in holistic medicine see the problem not in the food exactly. Well, of course, we'd rather have them be on something healthy with antioxidants and so forth. But it's not the food's fault. It's the digestive tract's fault. It's the animal's immune system that's the problem. It's not... It's so, so the veterinarians are all like, you know, see, I told you never to give them a raw bone. And, you know, of course, the person's in there, you know, in the veterinary office because something went wrong. Mm-hmm. So the transition, what you're talking about, is so important. And it's also important to realize that not every animal um, really should be on raw food. Mm. Um, I'd say most should or most could. But there's, there is, especially in my practice, I see a lot that have, they're so sensitive to every protein source. And even though we're doing the right thing by switching the protein sources, you know, every three to four weeks, you know, staying on one, only one, and then switching to a different one. Um, but still, even when we do it right, sometimes it's, um, these animals just can't handle raw and we have to go to a cooked diet. And generally, it's an older, more deficient animal that can't handle raw diets because you get more out of the raw food, but you have to put more into it to mm-hmm. get more out of it. In mm-hmm. other words, your body has to cook that food more. It's a more cooling-type diet. So, so you know, anyway, there's just so much to know. It's nice to have help in the transition for some animals that are really digestively sensitive, um, people who understand how important the microflora is to maintain and also how the microflora um, changes drastically depending on what the animal's eating. And there's a study that just came out in humans, and it's so exciting. I'm, I, now everybody is all, we've been saying how important this, these, um, the microflora is. I'm talking about the intestinal flora for all of us in regards to our immune system because it's clear now that um, the immune system, 70% of it is really governed in the GI tract. And so because of that, and because the GI tract is just constantly responding and getting tonification, getting messages from this, from this microflora, this group of bacteria that we're supposed to be born with and we're supposed to die with, but a lot of things <clears throat> happen, can happen to throw those, the normal flora off. But this is so cool. This article just came out. I don't know. You might want to <laughs> cut me off. I'll, I'll just ramble. But um, from the Department of Human Genetics at the University of Chicago, it just, just was released. Um, it's a seasonal variation in human gut microbiome composition, which basically means even within one person, your, your gut flora varies from, you know, whether you're eating healthy, fresh fruits and vegetables. Like in this study, they were doing that in the summer and fall and in the winter. And in spring, they were eating mostly, you know, processed foods. And the microflora drastically shifted. So for me, what that means is we don't have these studies yet in dogs, but what this means to me is that, the bacteria really does govern what goes on with the immune system. So if we can make a bacteria level that's really happy and thriving and working with us rather than one that we're fighting against, you know, all these dogs that are on Tylen powder, I mean, do you know about what I'm talking about? No. Tylen powder is an antibiotic kind of powder that people add to the food because otherwise their vet says that their dog gets um, over, over, what's it called, over... Their, their flora grows too much. It's like an overabundance of a certain type of pathologic microflora in the GI tract. Mm. And so that instead of sort of correcting the dietary, maybe building up right. the healthy bacteria to compete with the bad bacteria, we'll just put them all on antibiotics, you know? Right. <laughs> like, 
anyway, so, so it's just such a cool thing. Yeah. No, I have a few questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard I've heard what you said about seventy percent of the immune system is you know lives in the GI tract and and when I asked I don't know if it was you or somebody else when I asked what that means it's like this balancing of like good bacteria and bad bacteria and that when the when it gets out of balance it essentially creates perforations in the wall which allows toxins to just go directly into the bloodstream. It could do that through, you know, an ulceration type process, but probably more. What more happens is um, there's all of these lymphoid cells in the in all, all along the immune system. There's huge levels of um, like uh, lymphocytes, and uh, I think they call them Peyer's patches or something. It's a it's a microscopic type thing, but basically, like when you look at it, and of course, years ago they probably were thinking, well. Why do we need all this immune system function to be happening at the GI tract? And everyone just assumed, oh, it's to, you know, kind of ward off bacteria or viruses that are pathologic. But I think what we're discovering now, and certainly um, this is where things are heading and why, you know, people are so concerned about making sure babies now that are born C-section are re-inoculated by their mother's microflora is because um, it's more than that. What's happening is that whole bacteria load in the GI tract slash immune, um, like, interrelationships. And I'm talking, when I say interrelationships, I'm talking about thousands of chemical reactions that are occurring probably every minute. All of that sends an efferent message up to the brain, and then <clears throat> and then um, the body, the, the neurochemistry and the um, what, what hormones are released from the brain and the adrenals is in direct relationship to that. So it's, it's not just, you know, as simple as what's happening at the level of the microvilla. It's, it's happening throughout the neurologic system, throughout the immune system. And it's really, it's becoming, we realize now all these messages are going to the brain. So this is, this is important stuff, and we're just kind of on the cusp of understanding mm. it, you know, for humans. Yeah. But it's all for sure true for animals as well. Physiology is just fascinating. Uh- it's crazy. I mean, it's like... As soon as you think you know something, you're no. like, whoa. No. Well, and it's a lot of it's not known, but it's, it's, yeah. really, it's really cool to see the interrelationships because I think, I think really that's the foundation of good health. And mm-hmm. we, of course, as veterinary community, um, are guilty of kind of messing with those interactions. I mentioned the Thailand as being one thing we do, but of course you, the list goes on and on and all the things that we do that kind of... We, we say it, that they can influence the vital force um, disrupt the vital force, but what we're really saying is it's disrupting these relationships sometimes. You yeah. know, to give them a lot of antibiotics, to give them a lot of, you know, excessive amounts of vaccinations. I mean, the, you know, the list goes on and on. But dry food and kibble is, is you know, right up there with, mm-hmm. with, 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 what, with what we're doing to not to, to sort of disallow the, the proper organisms. You know, it's like we're kind of choosing for improper organisms in, right. some, in some way, so... Well, when we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, and we're going to um, talk about what we talked about earlier about actually the tran- transitioning off of processed food, uh, whether your dog's been on kibble for a year or 12 years, um, and kind of some of the things in your experience, Dr. Kelleher, that people should know um, to have that transition be successful and sort of what to look out for and all that good stuff. So, 
We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> Next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, organ nutrition expert Nora Gedgaudez, author of Primal Fat Burner, shares why her proven method of eating can help you look better, live longer, feel stronger. And we'll talk with Sarah Bennett, co-author of F Love, one shriek's sensible advice for finding a lasting relationship. Tune in Mondays at noon Pacific time and follow Vicki on Twitter at Vicki St. Clair. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Anti-Icky Poo, the product that gets the stink out, we cover the world of animals. This week, February 12th, it's Harmonic and Energy Shifting Sunday with Jude and Paul Ponton from the Whispering Dragon Center in Seattle. They'll be in the studio with their Accutonic Forks, Tibetan Bowls and Bells, Pua, Dig, and Rattles, ready to do remote sessions for you, your animal friends, your home or business. We'll have open phone lines throughout the show. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. And now back to the dog show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150, and we're talking with Dr. Donna Kelleher, talking about um, food and nutrition and how, you know, talking about the world in general, but really about getting dogs off of, and cats too, off of processed food, meaning like kibble diets, like the brown pellets that you buy in the bag. And, um, you know, I've had... I've done lots of shows on this in the past about labeling and the industry and, oh, my gosh, lots of shows. There's a lot of information there. You can um, search through all of our shows um, on our website, dogradioshow.com, or you can go to iTunes as well and download all of our over 300 episodes for free. Today, you know, it's like in the interest of or kind of thinking about like New Year's resolutions and all that, like, oh, Great resolution for your animal is to switch them off of kibble and onto a raw or cooked food diet. Um, But sometimes animals, like you said, oh, this was a point that I wanted to make when you were talking earlier, Dr. Kelleher, about like if you have a dog that is in such a state 
that they are on a specific, probably like prescription diet. Usually yeah. that's the case. Some sort of, yeah. you know, special allergy diet that's kibble. And if you give them, if you switch their food or you give them so much as a treat with something else in it, their system blows up. That is not a healthy dog on that food. Like just because that dog is not having diarrhea or, you know, it like the dog is in such a compromised state that if you add in the tiniest amount of this or that, that it's going to completely throw them off. That is not a healthy dog. Yeah. I mean, in the Chinese medicine, they may be like spleen sheet deficient, you know, Mm -hmm. where basically their pancreas is weak and enzymatic function is weak and microflora is sort of... I should say there's not much diversity in the microflora, you know, something like that. Right. These dogs are not, they're not going to be the thriving dogs. They're going to be like the surviving dogs, you know. But you have had experience working with dogs like this and improving their their health, improving their immune system and, and helping them to have a stronger health. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I've treated numerous dogs with like inflammatory bowel disease, might be or gastroenteritis or pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. These are all phrases that, to me, are in a way interchangeable. They just mean inflammation in the GI tract due to most likely the food. Yeah. So what I do is um is I do a few things. One is I food allergy test, and so that may not be accessible to a lot of people, but. It really helps to say, no, that this dog's diarrhea is primarily because they're eating chicken all the time and they're having an inflamed response because of that. And a dog example. could be allergic to chicken and you could feed them the organic chicken that you raised in your backyard. And if they're allergic to chicken, they're still going to have a reaction. Yeah. So it doesn't, yeah. in that no, situation. The chicken in the world right. and everything. So no, it doesn't. Uh, so, yep. So they could be have food allergies. And the next thing I do is I boost them with the herbs. So I'll choose a number of different herbal formulas that just strengthen their digestion, um, balance the inflammation. Sometimes um, it's as simple as slippery elm or marshmallow root that just um, acts like a demulsion or a big Band-Aid over micro ulcers like you were talking about before. Is there a product, because we have people listening from, I mean, all over the country and all over the world, is there a product that you recommend that someone could get online that would help the digestive tract in that way? Well, you really do have to know what's going on or have an idea. Like, it's so varied. If a dog has been on, say, an anti-inflammatory like Rimadyl or, you know, Egogesic or Duramax or something, and I'm thinking, you know what, this dog's inflammation is because of ulceration most likely, then I am going to say, sure, you can get online and buy marshmallow root in bulk, but um, you know, in a powder form, and it's so safe, you know, pretty much. There's a few issues with it, but for the most part. And so it'll heal up those ulcers right away. Or in some cases, you need to build, sort of build them up with digestive enzymes. I try not to do that. I try to have the body do that. But mm-hmm. there's not one product. Um, I think RX Vitamins does make a GI support powder, which sort of tries to be a catch-all. It has marshmallow root and um, RX Vitamins. I think that's Rob Silver's company, um, an old friend of mine. But anyway, he, um, he, and so there's digestive enzymes in there. There's micronutrients in there. There's FOS, which is a pre- prebiotic. Mm-hmm. That's always a good idea. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, so I think he is trying to sort of catch everything there. And maybe that, and I have heard back from a few people, especially with cats, actually, mm-hmm. that it's been amazing. So, but in general, I don't know. I probably use, I don't even know, 20 yeah. different approaches yeah. herbally. Right. And then I'm using acupuncture, too, um, and homemade diets. And a lot of times, like you say, the, um, your focus is being about switching them from kibble to homemade and a lot of times or to raw and a lot of times what I'll try to do is work through a cook stage so like on my website which is wholepetvet.com w-h-o-l-e pet vet on the nutrition section we do have we'd have a little information about whether the you know person should be thinking about cooked or raw and whether and how the transition can come about and how you can sort of more or less doctor up the the kibble to make it healthier so that the transition goes better yeah um because when you do that, when you slowly convert or when you, when I say doctor it up, you know, add a hard-boiled egg, add a little vegetables, add maybe a little goat yogurt, you're already choosing for different microflora <clears throat> so that when you actually do the transition um, fully, you're already in a better situation. What we don't want people to do is one day be on kibble, say you're on your Hills KD, I'm choosing one of the ones I don't like the worst. Um, <laughs> and then the next day you're on raw, and then you uh, have to expect that there'll be some digestive challenges going through that huge transition because not only does the microflora have to shift, which takes a period of weeks sometimes, mm-hmm. at least a week, mm. um, but also the enzymatic makeup of the, of the lysosomes in the liver, of the mitochondria throughout the GI tract, um, all of those things, everything, all the enzymes, everything has to shift. Mm-hmm. It takes a couple of weeks. So I like moving through a cook stage, and in doing that, I haven't had any problems, and that's 20 years. Yeah. So, so you don't want to heard of many problems. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to shock the system. Ooh. Yeah. So you said adding hard-boiled eggs... Yeah, as long as they don't have an egg allergy. Okay. Here. Yeah. Goats, goats yogurt or goat's milk? It's safer to go with a duck egg, right? In okay. case of any problems with chicken eggs. Right. Um, yeah, little goat's yogurt. Um, yep, just a tablespoon or so even for a big dog just to kind of already give the sort of jump start the microflora into a positive direction. Now okay. there's Obviously, there's dogs with allergies to all those things, so I'm yeah. I'm just assuming that it's a, just a just a dog that needs a little help, maybe aging, you know, maybe a yeah. little creaky through the spine or joints, and the person has read that raw diets or homemade diets can really help with um, creaky old spines and getting the dogs less inflamed in general, and it sure can. Yeah, they can just giving them their dogs back. Yeah, so. really. What are just a couple more things that people could do just to start the process? Like well, yeah. as far as adding, um, what other foods could um, yeah. could they add? Yeah, um, I mean we have kind of more, way more information on the website. So, um, but <clears throat> wholepetvet.com, W H O L E. Yeah, but I want to answer the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to do um, a combination of cooked, like even for a large dog, even a half a cup or even a quarter of a cup of cooked ground meat of some sort mm-hmm. um, mixed with, say, about the same amount of raw ground vegetables. And that with a tablespoon of goat yogurt, maybe a duck egg, and already you are, that's already like a huge improvement to mm-hmm. most kibbles. You know, you're adding in tons of nutrients and vitamins that the kibbles don't have, mostly B vitamins and trace minerals. What kind of vegetables? Um, 
I like to come. I, I like to fortify the organ system that's weak. So that's never like an easy answer. My favorite is parsley. You'll see that all over the website. Yep. Because that's um, it has tons of micronutrients and also it's a flusher for toxins. So it generally is considered a kidney tonic, but it flushes toxins. Mm-hmm. So you flush the toxins from the urine. Oh, it's a lovely thing to do. Even in cats, everybody, everybody should be on raw parsley. Um, and, but from there, I mean, if my kidneys are weak, I might go more towards like a fennel bulb, burdock root, asparagus, parsley combination. If my liver is weak, I'm talking about my dog's liver, (laughs) but it's not bad for us either. Um, beet greens, dandelion greens, um, kale, I might think of those things for the liver more, maybe burdock roots in that category too. Um, burdock root is an excellent source of prebiotics. It's just, people probably don't know what it, do you know what burdock root is? Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, it's in, it's, it's in almost every culture. It's an amazing, um, herb and it's a food grade herb. So like in Japan, they pickle it. It's called pickle gobu root. Um, in, in Native Americans use it in almost every cancer formula. It's one of the main things that's in um, Essiac, which is a famous cancer formula. So it's a preventative for cancer, too. Mm. So anyway, burdock root is an alternative. It, it takes, it's kind of like um, what parsley does for the uh, kidney. The burdock root does more for the liver, and it de- it's an alternative. So it takes all the toxins. So you can imagine how many toxins that we and the dogs are exposed to, you know, I think they said in the neighborhood of 80,000 on the Washington Toxics Coalition website. It's unbelievable. But anyway, and it allows for the body to, it helps the body, it aids the body in the detoxification process that it has to have in order to get rid of these toxins. They're not just stored in fat and in other places throughout the body. So burdock root, and it's an excellent source of FOS and, um, I think inulin. I don't know all the different mm-hmm. all the different prebiotics, but those are the ones that I that kind of strike a chord in my brain. But so it kind of depends on what organ system I'm trying to strengthen, what vegetables we use. But vegetables are absolutely critical. I use a ton of really good, you know, organic vegetables for healing the dog. Yeah. So um, if your dog is, if you think your dog is sensitive or compromised. Um, Definitely a good idea to start with introducing, like you said, just some um, boosting the kibble and then, you know, with cooked food yeah. and getting them getting them yeah. kind of used to that. What I don't want that. them to do is add only vegetables if they're in large supply. A lot of people say, I throw kibble in the bowl and then I throw a bunch of vegetables. And I'm like, okay. Because so, what can happen when they have too many vegetables and um, is that their urine pH can go up mm-hmm. and they can... And they can get all kinds of alkalizing problems from having, um, for, for example, struvite stones are very really mm-hmm. common, mm-hmm. and struvite crystals and stones. And they, they only form when there's too much alkaline in the urine, which is usually a sequela of too many carbohydrates or sometimes, in some cases, too many vegetables versus how much protein they're getting. Okay. So it's nice to do a good sort of combination yeah. and try and stick with that. <laughs> so... Now that brings up another question because what is the the deal with protein in the diet? Because something that I've heard, <laughs> something that oh, you're I asking me all the hard questions spe- today. <laughs> well, sp- specifically something that I've heard is like, oh, uh, well, I can't do raw because it's too high in protein. 
Well, that's if they do, a, like, a commercial raw, right? So, like, you know, you, 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 but you can do anything yourself, too. Mm-hmm. And I have all kinds of guides there on my website. Um, first of all, they probably don't have great information. Um, possibly they're getting some of that from their vet. Um, but there's, <laughs> sadly, there's... So there, I'm writing an article right now on what level protein is a good a level of protein because what's happened is there's been some misinformation um, over the years, mostly spread by Hills, which is a low-protein food company. And it's always bad when Purina's the good guy. So Purina it has always advocated for the higher-protein diets, and, which, is, which was much more based on research. And then Hills came along and said, no, we'll just throw these vets to pizza party and and call, yeah, I'm being very facetious here, but well, actually, doc, um, yeah, I mean, Doctor <laughs> Fox, definitely yeah. some truth to it. <laughs> yeah, um, and so the Hills just came along with their own sort of thing and said, "No, nah, we don't need so much protein." And of course, the Pet Food Institute was like, "Cool, then we'll make a lot more profit." So right. this whole thing is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and um, it's very, in a way, frustrating. But the whole high-protein diet, low-protein diet thing is. Um, it's actually, in my mind, pretty simple. I don't want animals to be on a 100% meat diet or even meat and bone diet, but I also don't want them to be <clears throat> on, you know, these, like KD is like, what, 22% protein or on, you know, dry matter basis at least. So, so <laughs> obviously the truth is probably somewhere in between, um, and a lot of the commercial diets are something in the neighborhood of 75-25, so 75% protein or, or meat products, I should say, including bone, though, and 25% vegetables. Um, I tend to go a little more vegetables in my practice, but then it depends on the animal. There are some, you know, it's really nice to test the urine, to test that urine pH and to know, and see, this is where it's helpful to have a holistic vet helping you that mm-hmm. really understands not only individual variation, but also um, how we can monitor that, you know, through testing. And I think urine tests are really easy. It's just a sample, so mm-hmm. quick. Um, but anyway, so there. So the truth is that a little dog, maybe that like a Chihuahua that evolved more or less on a high vegetable-based diet, is going to have a very different um, nutrition need, I think, than a, a dog say, a shepherd or mm-hmm. most of our common breed dogs that are probably better off on the higher protein diets, right? So, And that doesn't take into consideration, you know, organ issues like kidney or liver issues. Um, in that case, uh, it would be even better for someone to work with a holistic vet. Um, I don't use low-protein diets like a KD kind of low-protein diet, even in those cases. I will... Usually, at the most, I will um, go 50-50 with vegetable, or I should say no on meat, because on my website, you'll see I recommend quinoa a lot, mm-hmm. you know, cooked quinoa, mm-hmm. um, as part of the diet if they're not allergic. But um, And so that's kind of how I do it. Um, I'm sure every holistic vet would say something different, but the whole the fact that, say, a, a low-protein diet will somehow help the liver and kidneys is wrong. I mean, it's just not going to help the liver and kidneys. Most animals need a higher protein diet. So we're looking more at the prey-based diet. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 75% um, animal protein is probably ideal in most cases. So I'm talking about by volume. Yeah. So I think like a couple things that stand out to me is that if you have a dog, you know, if you are like, oh, I didn't even know that this was an option, I... This is how I eat for myself and my family. 
I want to totally switch my dog, but my dog is on a KD, for example, Mm -hmm. then this would be, I think, a good, you know, find a holistic vet to work with. Yeah, that one's a complicated one. And don't, yeah, don't try to just figure it out on your own if your dog does have some sort of medical condition. don't keep them on KD, though. I mean, that's not going to help them in the long run at all. The only thing that's going to do is it's going to lower his BUN. I mean, but that doesn't mean his kidneys are better. It just means there's less azotemia. Do you know what I'm saying when I use these terms? I no. can explain them. I don't know if it's worth us. No, no. Explain it. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> just find a holistic vet. Yes. Mm-hmm. But for your average, okay, so let's talk about the the healthy Labrador. Yeah. You know, three-year-old Labrador who's fine, Wow. Can eat can eat pretty much whatever, yeah. But has been on kibble, and this person is wanting to switch the dog to to raw or cooked, yeah. And the dog tolerates food change, can have whatever treats you yeah. know, like healthy. That's great. Yeah. So, gonna, yeah. So can so it, would that be a situation where it's just a matter yeah. of just going slow and just introduce yeah. a little bit of the new yeah. food and just transition? Yeah. Yeah, and, but I bet you with that kind of dog, you could get them all the way switched over within 10 days. You know, that'd be a right. nice kind of goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'd be nice and slow because that dog is, doesn't have any problems. And, boy, and that's the perfect dog that's going to want to go raw. I mean, why not get the full benefit of doing raw? You know, that that's a great – yeah, I don't really ever see those. <laughs> I know you don't. Just like how I don't see the dogs that have no behavioral issues. Well, <laughs> yeah. generally, right? Like, what? You don't get he the easy gets? dogs. Oh, I guess he doesn't need me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does everything right. Yep. People don't just have me over to hang out and <laughs> drink tea. Um, I would have you over well, just to hang thank out. You. <laughs> thank you. So, but yeah, I totally know what you mean. So um, now there, it's a wonderful thing, but um, I mean, you could look at it as that it's a really wonderful thing, which I think it is generally, but now there's a whole um, category in the pet food industry of these, like, uh, I mean, some of them look like bologna, but they're where they're, you know, refrigerated and um, less, you know, feeding your dog what your dog's meant to eat. Like there's this whole category of all these different um, raw foods or quote unquote raw foods or cooked foods or, you know, there's like this whole category of less processed even made by some of these really large companies that make, you know, some of the kibbles that I can't stand. Um, So what is, um, if somebody's like, um, you know, if if they live in the Midwest and PetSmart is the best that they have as far as, you know, pet food, you know, like Seattle, every neighborhood has an independent natural store, yeah, which goodness. is wonderful. I'm so happy about that. I know. Yeah. But a lot of people don't have access to yeah. that. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, on my website, these diets that I recommend are their homemade diets that people do not need to buy anything. So, so I like that idea because there's not going to be any propylene glycol. There's not going to be any BHT or BHA, right? You're not going to have any yeah. asoxiquin. Mm-hmm. I don't know... Those diets that are just kind of ready-made in the refrigerator, like you say, like bologna, I mean, mm-hmm. I can't imagine where right. they're being made and under what situation. I mean, the Pet Food Institute and the powers that be, they see that we as 
I don't know, our holistic community, I guess, are shifting drastically, taking away from their profit margin. I mean, I think we have about 15% of their profit margin now. That That is to say, so many people are doing raw and homemade foods that they're not buying those kibbles anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, and a lot of dogs just can't tolerate them. Every time they go on them, they have ear infections, yeah. they itch at their toes, they do all this stuff. So, I mean, this is kind of where things are heading, and I think it's kind of interesting to think of, is it true that one day Purina is going to sell like a raw diet that they're going to have freezers Mm -hmm. in Petco with Mm -hmm. Purina raw food that's going to basically be copying, you know, all these companies we've been using? I mean, wouldn't that be just so crazy? But I'm I'm kind of thinking it's all about money. That might happen. Yeah. So there's certain ingredients you just want to stay away from. And, of course, the problem with some of those, um, like you say, diets that are bologna-like in the refrigerator is that, it, parts of them um, are definitely shipped in from China. And so, um, you know, when you're trying to maximize profit margin, you're not necessarily doing the right thing. If it says there's blueberries in it and you look at it and you do not see blueberries in it, <laughs> you do not see anything that that even remotely looks like a blueberry, like so many kibbles do this now, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're trying to shift, too, because they know people kind of understand, wow, if you can keep something on the shelf indefinitely, it's probably not the best idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, but, and then that's just the whole preservative thing of where they're made and, yeah, the quality of ingredients, all of that probably is a, is a factor with some of those things. Probably mm-hmm. not a great idea. So, and probably also more cost-effective and certainly more, uh, you know, better nutrition to... For for someone especially who doesn't have access to, you know, great locally made foods like Natural Pet Pantry, they can go and buy these ingredients at the store. They can go to your website, which is wholepetvet.com, and that's W-H-O-L-E, petvet.com, and get some information from there and then start to just make a little bit at home, you know, make a batch, freeze it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah separate it in some. servings, freeze it, and then feed it from there. And it's as easy as that. And you said it even... Is. They just have to make sure they're doing calcium. Everybody who's given meat has to give calcium, mm-hmm. you know. And it happens all the time. That it's like, oh, I kind of left the supplements out this month. And it's like, mm, you don't leave them out. You, you need, if you're going to do the diet, you don't, you don't leave anything out. Right. It's really important. <laughs> right. And that it's not just about feeding, you know, getting ground beef and feeding ground beef because that's just muscle meat and there needs to be the correct ratio of muscle meat to organ meat to, you know, there's a yeah. lot to consider about when you are doing it yourself that you're yeah, not. you just need to learn a lot. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll come back with more. We're talking about pet food, dog and cat food with Dr. Donna Kelleher. Her website is wholepetvet.com. Lots of great information about your pet's health on her website. Definitely check that out, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Crafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, 
crusty noses as well as pet urine stains and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Anti-Icky Poo, the product that gets the stink out, we cover the world of animals. This week, February 12th, it's Harmonic and Energy Shifting Sunday with Jude and Paul Ponton from the Whispering Dragon Center in Seattle. They'll be in the studio with their Acutonic Forks, Tibetan Bulls and Bells, Pua, Dig, and Rattles, ready to do remote sessions for you, your animal friends, your home or business. We'll have open phone lines throughout the show. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country. But if you live in western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me host at dogradioshow.com that's me julie forbes host at dogradioshow.com i look forward to connecting wait dogs can use skype we're really living in the future (laughs) get inspired every hour right here on alternative talk 1150 and now back to the dog show with julie forbes Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We're back with Dr. Donna Kelleher talking about dog food and specifically switching, you know, what what all is... I mean, it's kind of like, uh, hey, how do you switch your dog from kibble to, to raw food? It's like, well, depends. So yeah. if it's a healthy, you know, strong dog that doesn't, you know, tolerates food change easily and all that stuff. It's just a matter of transitioning slowly, which is kind of, I think most people have heard when switching pet food that you want to, you know, ease the new food in as you phase the old food out and give the system a chance to adjust, especially for dogs. Like if you don't know how your dog handles transition, if your dog's eaten the same food for the last three years, it might take a little something for the body to, you know, tolerate something new. Um, and I wanted to talk about reactions to food change because this is something that, you know, oh, you know, you get somebody to where they actually make, take the step to switch, the, to start switching their animal. And then 
the the animal has a you know some sort of reaction that's not necessarily bad, and then it scares yeah. them off of it. Like oh, I. Or then their vet tells them, see, I you know, told yeah. you that this is whatever. So can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great thing to bring up. Um, well, I just feel like if people worked through a cook stage, they wouldn't necessarily have those reactions as readily. Like, in other words, you know, maybe even keep the vegetables raw as long as they're pulverized or ground, but, but the meat part could be cooked, and I think that really does alleviate a lot of issues, at least do it for a while. And Karen Becker talks about that as well. But um, basically, you know, if you go, say, really an eighth of a cup or a fourth of a cup at a time, in other words, you take a fourth of a cup of kibble away, you bring in a fourth of a cup of homemade food Mm -hmm. or raw food or whatever in, and you do that, and then you just keep watching the stools. Mm Because basically it's all about digestion, right? Mm -hmm. So as long as the stools don't become loose, if they start to become loose, you don't increase the raw food or the homemade food anymore. You just keep it where it is, and maybe you keep it where it is for a week, you mm-hmm. know, and then you do the next your next phase of increasing the healthier food the following week. You know, you, you don't rush things. I think yeah. that's just if everyone had that patience level, we wouldn't have so many problems. But really, what reactions do we see? We see vomiting, diarrhea, sometimes, you know, bloody diarrhea, anything like that, and that's just because, the transition went too fast or perhaps the animal has a food allergy to whatever protein they chose, which would be unfortunate. Right. Um, But especially true for bones. Like if they're not used to bones or necks or that sort of thing, that requires a good digestive tract to be able to handle pieces of bone or, you know, and a little tiny dog, you might not even do those things. Mm -hmm. So um, you might only just do ground food um, with not too much bone in them. So... Yeah, it really does depend, but those are the things we usually see, but they're very easy to prevent. Yeah. It's not, not an issue. It really isn't. And having a little bit of soft stool, for example, doesn't mean that what you're doing is bad. It just means that, like you said... some type of detoxification. Yeah. It's, it's just normal. You yeah. know, the liver is used to a certain thing, not that it's healthy, but there it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like if we all ate our French fries and we drank our, you know, <laughs> whatever beer every single day, what would that do to the liver? But then when we come off of it, it's like, yeah, we're going to mm-hmm. have some sort of, we might have headaches, we might have mm-hmm. stools. But yeah, it might be the body's way of just kind of working through that excess heat mm-hmm. that was created through the poor diet that was yeah. a result of the previous choices. So. so watching the poop, and if the poop, you know, gets soft or something, then that's just a a sign that either you went too fast or just that you need to just stay at that, you know, one quarter new food to three quarters old food and just stay there and let Mm -hmm. the body adjust. Yeah. And give it another week or 10 days. And if you're still having problems, uh, you know, maybe get some help doing the transition. And I think what I think what you said at the beginning is really important, too, because allergies are so I mean, you know, are like. You know how how what percentage of dogs do you think actually have some sort of food allergy these I days? Mean, every single dog I see has some yeah. food allergy. I mean, I you know like ninety percent or something, but that's just what I see. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm sort of choosing for that. But you know, I bet you a good forty percent of dogs have yeah. some inflammatory issue with something, whether it's a food or an yeah. You know, so maybe you're 
maybe your dog doesn't do well on red meat and needs poultry or vice yeah. versa or whatever. Yeah. So just because I mean, usually you... usually turkey and bison are my safest choices. Mm-hmm. The chicken and beef thing doesn't always work. Yeah. Um, and just, just, you know, those are just off the top of your head. But, um, yeah, it just yeah. seems like that works better generally. I think keeping in mind the, the big picture of like, oh, well, I, I switched my dog's food once and, and it didn't go well. And it was like, well, what did you feed? Because maybe if you tried something different... Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they yeah. fed a protein that the dog doesn't yeah, do well Yeah, I've never met a dog that you can't get onto some homemade or home-prepared or raw diet. There's, they all can transition. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of what you have to do to support the system during yeah. that tra- time. And the thing is, like, the I have seen, and I know you have too, I mean, it, it is, it's like, quote-unquote, miraculous, you know, the difference that switching a dog off of processed food and onto healthy food that is oh, either made at home. Oh, stuff. I mean, you name it. Um, ocular discharge. They don't have as much tearing in the eyes yep. usually. They don't have as much discharge in the eyes. They don't have ear infections or ear discharge or, or they don't have to clean the ears. They don't need baths. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. stink anymore. What do you know? Um, yeah. You know, all oh, the list goes on and on. And it's great for keeping dogs at a healthy weight. Mm-hmm. We have a, an old dog haven dog, Lois, who's um, being fed very generously by the Natural Pet Pantry. And she came to us from a shelter. She was like 70, 72 pounds or something like that. And I think she weighs like 46 pounds now. So she was, Whoa. yeah, she was, she was way overweight and for her size. And carbohydrates will do that. Yeah. I mean, they'll just pack on the poundage. And then if you read the label, what it tells you to feed, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't read the you cannot feed what a kibble bag tells you to. I mean, they're making, yeah. they're trying to make money, so you have to use your common sense. Yeah. You know, she had um, goopy, like Ugh. like oozy discharge, you know, thick discharge out of her eyes. Wow. And this dog now, we've had her for I think about six months, and our, we just had friends over the other night, and they joked that the next time they come over, she's going to be a puppy because she looks. Yeah. She's like twelve years old. Every wow. time they see her, she looks. Younger and younger and younger. Um, I mean, this wow. dog came to us as a, as a potential hospice dog. I mean, the they thought that she was potentially close to end of life, and she she is like feeling good now. That's like she's great. not going anywhere. Yay! Yeah. I love that. That's great. And that's <laughs> been that she hasn't been on really any medication or anything. That all we've done is provided. A, and I've seen it a hundred times. Yeah, I mean, I, know. I don't even know. It's awesome. And, and in fact, I say to the people, if you're able to do this diet, you don't have to come in and see me so much yeah. for the chiropractic and acupuncture because you won't have as much pain. Yeah. I think what you said earlier about especially older dogs is mm-hmm. that you said you get your dog back. And I, I mean, it, and I've said before, it's like it breathes new life into these older dogs who are really starting to buckle under the, the, basically the toxins that they're getting and, and also just the, the insufficient nutrition. Um, Yep. I think that's exactly right. I mean, they start sleeping better. Their eyes are clearer. I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. So it's, I mean, we're it's it's so important. I just can't emphasize, I guess, my point is how important. It's the most important thing to health is nutrition. It affects everything. So that's yeah. why the conversation and why I focus so much on this. And you and I have seen the remarkable, what people would call miraculous results that this produces for dogs in some cases who have, you know, have been given a terminal diagnosis and heal completely. Yeah. So we have, we have... 
we're we're at the end, unfortunately. <laughs> I have to wrap it up and make sure we give out your website and talk about your book and all that good stuff. So Dr. Kelleher has been on the show before. You can look her up on our website, dogradioshow.com, and listen to her other interviews. She's also written a book called The Proof is in the Poodle. It's an excellent book. You have another book, too? Yeah, I wrote The Last Chance Dog. came out in 2003. Okay. Um, her website is Whole Pet Vet, W-H-O-L-E, Pet Vet. Dr. Kelleher, always a pleasure, and I look forward to having you on again in 2015. Thanks so much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Julie. Thanks so much. All right, and we'll be back next week live Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.